human dilemma. The human dilemma. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 3. Now, I realize that I told you we were going to start preaching through Genesis. This is not an exegetical sermon from Genesis, okay? I'm just warning you right now. We're not going verse by verse by verse. I have a topic, and we're going to follow the topic. We'll come back to this when we do go through Genesis on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. I'm just not starting that yet, okay? Probably won't start it until after Super Bowl Sunday, okay? Uh, that'll give you a good time frame to know when it's going to start, okay? Genesis chapter 3, okay? We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 7. And I am reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. This is my, uh, one of my prized possessions that my wife surprised me with at Pastor Appreciation Day with the Spurgeon Study Bible, okay? So, and it's like the one, okay? It's goats or, you know, calfskin leather with indexed and everything. Like, it's the big deal, okay? <laughs> it's like a big deal Bible, okay? And I was like totally surprised that she got it for me. You know, there's a video out there of me going, oh, no, you didn't, because I could feel how it, like the shape of it. I was like, oh, oh, this is it. I know it's it. <laughs> but let's read, starting at verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat? from the tree in the garden, or from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw, the tr saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. And it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they sewed, and they knew they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you for your word. Lord, we thank you that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So God, tonight we pray that you would teach us, rebuke us, correct us, and train us with your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now tonight I want to talk to you about the human dilemma. And I want to point out just a few things that Eve did in this, in this narrative to the first steps that she took in her sin. 
okay? And I want to look at it step by step, and I kind of like the King James on this too, okay? Don't get mad at me, Kyle. I know you. You won't. Watch this. I want to, I want to show you very first thing that I noticed, okay, is Eve took time to listen to the lie. She listened to the serpent. That's the first, first mistake, okay? So the other night when I said we don't have to listen to false teaching, false doctrine, false ideas about God, we don't have to listen to those things. You know what I mean? The, the trouble is they all sound good, and it sounds just about right, you know? And he even uses God's own words against Eve. Did God really say that? First thing that he got her to question was what God said. First thing. She doubted what God said. The minute the serpent came around and she listened to him, she responded to him. Second of all, that was the second thing she did. She responded. Okay? She answered him back. And then when she answers him back, she didn't even answer him back as to what God actually told Adam. God, God told Adam, if you eat of the fruit of the tree, you shall surely die. Right? You know what he said? He did not say, if you touch it. She added that. So she already was walking in a misconception about what God said. Amen? Already adding to what God said. Amen? God didn't say if you, if you touch it, you're going to die. He said if you eat of it. Amen? Matter of fact, he didn't say if you look at it. She probably could have looked at the fruit all day long. I'll show you in a minute why that's not possible either, okay? Can't look at sin and then expect yourself not to sin. Okay? There's a reasoning behind this. The third thing that she did, she finally yielded by participating in the sin. Amen? Now I want to point something out. She did not Look at Adam and go, hey, what should I do? She didn't say, hey, God. She knew God. Do you think this is the first time, you know, here after they do this, God shows up in the garden walking in the cool of the day and they hide themselves, right? You know what it says? Do you think that's the first time God come down and walked in the cool of the garden with them? That's very doubtful, right? So if this isn't the first time God has showed up to walk with them in the garden, then we can assume that they knew God was there and God would help them whenever they needed help. Right? So she didn't take any counsel from Adam. She didn't take any counsel from God. She, based on her own judgment and her own reasoning, decides what she wants to do. And this is where man falls into folly. On her own judgment, and her own reasoning, then we make a decision. Right? Watch this. There's a pattern here 
of threes. And I'm going to show you. If you will, go with me to James chapter, uh, yeah, James chapter four. James chapter, they moved James in this Bible. I think I meant first John chapter four, but let me go look. I'm going I'm to go look. I know, but I think I wrote it down wrong. No, no, it's James 4. Watch this. Therefore, verse 7, submit unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Right? So here's a little narrative where Eve, first of all, listens to the devil and then tries to broker some dialogue with the devil and then ultimately ends up yielding, yielding to the devil. Do you think that if Eve would have consulted Adam or God that she would have ended up yielding to the enemy? I doubt it. I doubt it very seriously. I doubt that if she looked at Adam and said, hey, didn't God say that if we eat of the fruit or, 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 or touch it, we're going to die? Adam said, well, first of all, God didn't say anything about us touching it. He just said, hey, if we eat of this fruit, we're going to die. But she didn't ask Adam that. So there's a reason. In my mind, I went, why didn't she ask Adam? The fact is, it says Adam was there, Right? Even in the King James, don't it say Adam was there? Let me look. I mean, I, I could be wrong. Uh, he and, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. He was with her. Right? He was there. So the reason I think she might not have asked Adam is because Adam wanted to eat it too. Now, Adam might have been kind of cowardly and been like, I'm going to see if Eve dies. If Eve dies, I ain't going to eat the fruit. <laughs> okay? Like maybe Adam was like, look, I done heard God say, if I eat it, I'm going to die. Now Eve wants to test it. I'm going to watch and see. Okay? And I just about bet you about, about the time Eve chewed it and swallowed it and Adam went, are you feeling okay? How you feel? Are you Okay. And he said, no, I'm all right. I'm all right. I think I'm fine. I think I'm fine. All of a sudden, she's doubting what God said about dying. And she doesn't realize she's now dead. Remember what we talked about fallen man? People who are lost don't know they're lost. People who are dead don't know they're dead. Eve didn't realize she was dead. Just tell him, watch this. I got a few notes I want to read before I forget, okay? <clears throat> I'm not going to go any farther until I read a few of these notes off of, the, off of this uh, study Bible. Uh, number one, the word subtle when it's talking about the serpent. First of all, if you think the serpent is some kind of code name for uh, feelings or, uh, or uh, emotions that were already in Adam and Eve, and it wasn't a literal serpent. I'm sorry, but the text says that he would be cursed above all the cattle and of the field. 
So he was obviously some kind of animal, okay? So when we say serpent, there was an actual animal there. What you think it looked like, what I think it looked like doesn't matter. The fact is there was a serpent there. It was a physical being. And it was probably really abnormal because this thing was talking, and I'm pretty sure serpents didn't talk even then, okay? So Satan used the serpent, okay? Second of all, it says the woman claimed that God neither uh, uh, claimed that God said, "Neither shall ye touch the tree, lest you die." That goes beyond anything recorded in God's instruction to Adam. Therefore, either Adam had given his wife an additional command or else Eve exaggerated the commandment as Satan tempted her to view God as a selfish and overly restrictive being. If Adam added to God's commandment, he almost certainly had a good motive. After all, if Eve never touched the tree, she certainly wouldn't eat its fruit. However, the sad truth is that when people add to the word of God, they create confusion and trouble. You see the problem with false gospels? You see the, the, the problem with even adding works to our own salvation? You know what I mean? We're creating problems and, and uh, illusions and confusions that don't need to be there. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ. Amen? That's the only way. Amen? You, and don't put faith in your faith because your faith doesn't save you. Christ saves you. Faith in Christ saves you. You don't have faith in faith. Oh, my faith's really strong. So, <laughs> your faith's really strong. That, that ain't what's going to save you. Christ will end up saving you, not your faith. Okay? Yeah, faith in your faith. There's a whole lot of people go, well, my faith is strong. Yeah, that's right now. Let's see, you know, if you get uh, beat up by cancer or somebody in your family dies, then talk to me about where your faith's at then. Because most of the time, people emotionally are on a roller coaster, and how they feel they believe is dependent on how good circumstances are. And if circumstances are really good, my faith's really high. If circumstances are really low, I feel like I only got a little bit of faith. But either way, I'm saved. Not by my faith, but by Christ. Amen? Amen? That's what I meant about faith. Don't put faith in your faith. Uh, it gets confusing. Now watch this. The serpent recognized the woman's confusion. And found a point of attack, knowing that the woman would not surely die, but me, uh, by merely touching the fruit, he boldly contradicted what she had reported to be God's command. Then he skillfully lied. You know, John 8 and 4 says that Satan is a liar and the father of lies. He's lied from the beginning. Jesus said that in John 8 44, right? He was lying from the beginning. What beginning? The beginning of humanity. The beginning of the fall. The beginning when creation was cursed. Amen? Now watch this. <laughs> he lied by distorting God's word, implying that God had prohibited people from eating the fruit of, of only... Had, excuse me. Implying that God had prohibited had prohibited people from eating the fruit only 
to keep them from becoming knowledgeable as God was. The woman was now fully deceived. 1 Timothy 2 and 14. We read that where he says, hey, uh, it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman. Remember that when we went through 1 Timothy? Now watch this. Since the woman did not die, she touched the fruit. Uh, since the woman did not die when she touched the fruit, in contradiction to what she had thought God said, she did eat. Though Adam was with her at the time, he did nothing to stop her. Perhaps he wanted to eat it as much as the woman did. But fearing the consequences, used his wife as a guinea pig to make sure it would not cause instantaneous death. And this guy thought the same thing I did. <laughs> what? I'll let, her, I'll let her eat it. We'll find out. She didn't die. It's okay. I'll, yeah, I'll take a bite. You didn't die, right? That's what we think, right? They didn't know they were dead. They didn't know the condition they just brought upon themselves. Okay? Watch this. I'm going to finish reading. Uh, one more. As the serpent had indicated, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew, but instead of producing God-like power, the knowledge brought only a sense of human inadequacy, fear, and shame. Wow. Wow. Now I'm done with this, but I won't put it up, okay? I just brought it just for those notes. But it was awesome that the, the same indication that I was going through in here, and, and, and it follows suit with what I want, what else I want to talk about. I want to show you the three things that he did when she actually went to sin, okay? And there's three things, one right after another. We're going to tie them in with the gospel, with the New Testament, with the depravity of man and the human condition. Watch. Let's, oh, I'm, I guess I got to go back to Genesis. I can't read that out of Genesis. Ha ha. Watch this. In fact, God knows, this is verse 5, when you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Now watch this. The first thing that he did, it says, the woman saw the truth. She looked upon it. She was gazing at the truth. She saw it. There's so many people that think, oh, I can just look at sin or, or, well, now I'm an adult. I can handle this stuff so I can look at certain things that those kids shouldn't look at. No, you better not because you're going to fall into the same trap that those kids will fall into because the devil ain't caring how old you are and your flesh doesn't care how old you are. The problem is the minute we have taken an eye to look, it could be a problem. Jesus said, you've heard that it has been said that if you commit adultery, or thou shalt not commit adultery, right? He said, I say unto you, if you look at a woman to lust after her. And then you get all these people, well, it's okay if I look, just not if I lust. 
No, it's probably not okay if you look. Because the problem is most of us don't have any control after we look. Let's be honest. We look and then we lust. Happens pretty much that fast. Right? I know that it's quiet when you start preaching something. People don't, man, why do you got to say it like that, Pastor? Because it's true. It says the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Delightful. I believe that King James says pleasant. And that it was desirable. So these two things, pleasant and desirable. Wow. That's the second thing. She lusted. Notice, she looked, then she lusted. Last, it says, for obtaining wisdom, so she took. There's a pattern. It goes all throughout Scripture, just like this. Look, lust, taking. Happens all throughout Scripture. I want to give you a verse in the New Testament for this. Go to John, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Watch this. This is good stuff. When you get it, you're going to be like, oh man, can't believe that. Because I was. This is a warning about the world. The verse before this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, he says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Right? Now here's the verse I'm going to. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, the pride in one's possessions, this translation said, is not from the Father, but from the world. Now we go back to tie this into Genesis. Notice that first thing she saw, that was the lust of her flesh. And then she desired, or it looked pleasant. She lusted. That's the lust of the eye. That's why Jesus said, if anyone looks at a woman to lust after her. Now watch this. And then she took the pride of life. You're like, well, I don't know if that's what all that means. Okay, let me tie it together like this. Go with me to Joshua chapter 7. You guys remember Achan? You remember Achan, Matt, uh, Mike? <laughs> well, not that aching. No, he's aching in the Bible. Joshua chapter 7. Remember, Achan stole the, the and it's spelled A C H A N, Achan, okay? Joshua confronts him about stealing the, the silver and the bar of gold from. Uh, from him, from Ai. Now watch this. 
Achan, verse 20. Achan replied to Joshua, It is true I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. This is what I did. It's important right here. He said, I saw among the spoils a beautiful cloak from Babylon. Five pounds of silver and a bar of gold weighing a pound and a quarter. Then he says something important. I coveted. What is your what's King James say? I coveted. What's the, what's the ESV say? Verse uh, 21. The last sentence. Does he say I coveted? He said, I coveted them, and then I took them. He saw, he lusted, and he took. In that order. Now, go with me to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Starting, we can start at verse 1. This is David. He's home with his army. Remember this story? In the spring when David's kings marched out to war, David sent Joab with his officers of Israel. All They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Now, I want to read this quote from Spurgeon that's in my Bible. He says, some temptations come, uh, some temptations come to the industrious, but all temptations attack the idle. Ooh, that's a good word. You know, we, we say it like this, idle hands are the devil's playground, you know, all that stuff. David, instead of going to war, stayed home. Now watch this. One evening, David got up from his bed and strolled around the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing, very beautiful woman. So David sent someone to inquire about her. And he said, it isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David sent messengers to get her. And when he came, uh, and when she came to him, he slept with her. So, this one isn't quite as clear. We see that he saw her. And then he committed the act. You're like, well, where did he lust after her? Where, where was his eye? When he sent to inquire of her, and then he sent his men to go get her. Why would he do that? There's no, do you realize the king didn't have no business asking to see a woman whose husband was out of town, first of all? Right? Knowing she was married. Now, that doesn't say a whole lot about Bathsheba. She knew her old man was out of town, too. Right? The problem is, King David saw her, lusted enough to have men inquire who she was, 
then lusted enough to send men to go get her. And when she got there, he took her. Saul lusted, took. Over and over and over in Scripture. And I only brought two of those points, two of these times, okay? You can pick anything you want just about. And it starts the same way. So when people say, well, I can look, but I can't touch, be careful. Be careful because a look could turn into lust just like that. The only way that, the only way that David could have steered clear of that whole thing was not to look. His first reaction should have been this. There's a woman baby naked over there. Right? But it wasn't. Because he saw her and then he went, oh, yeah. Right? Now, I know you guys are real good people and you wouldn't do that, you know. There's some, you know, uh, sexy, uh, uh, what's his name? Jason Statham looking dude, bathing naked on the roof. He'd probably just turn around and walk back inside. You'd be like, oh, that guy. I've seen one, you've seen them all, you know, I know how y'all, y'all are perfect, got your halos just in the right spot. The problem is the human beings are lustful. And we generally want things that we shouldn't have. And we generally want things that are not good for us. Amen? A couple more things and we'll close. Let's go back to or uh, Genesis, excuse me. So we see in verse 6, the woman saw the tree, and then she saw that it was pleasant and desirable, and then she took some of its fruit, and she ate. The tempter promised that eating would open their eyes, but he promised her false promises, first of all, he said, he knows that if you eat it, you're going to be like him. First of all, she's, he's attacking the human desire to be in charge, to be important, her pride. She, oh, he's keeping it from you because he knows you'll be like him. The reality is, first of all, they were already man and woman both were made in the image and the likeness of God. They had no need to be, first of all, they could never be any more like God than they already were. Because they were made in the image and the likeness of God. Second of all, they could never be God. Ever. Ever. Now watch this. He did not promise what they would see or how they would see it. He just said, you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. The problem is, that's exactly what happened. Watch this. What they saw was God in his righteousness, in his true holiness, and they realized their own sinfulness that came upon them through their disobedience, that they knew sin intimately at that moment. 
They saw their own condition immediately upon eating and realizing that the thing they had done was sin and it changed them. Watch this. Paul describes something in Romans chapter 7. I want to go read this verse. Romans 7 verse 9. Paul says this, and he's describing his own condition, but he's also describing human beings and our own condition. He says, once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang alive again. And I died to the commandment. Am I reading the right part? I don't think I am. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I'm trying to find something. I don't think I'm reading the right part. Mike? Yeah, that's not the part I'm looking for. I'm looking for the thing that I don't want to do. That's what I do. And the thing that I desire not to do, I do that. I can't remember what verse that's in. I wrote the wrong one down, obviously. Okay. Uh, once I was alive apart from the law, when the commandment came, sin sprang to life again. That is not the verse that I want. I promise you, that's not it. 19. Okay, I, I just didn't add a one. Okay. Verse 19 says, for I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I'm no longer the one who does it, but the sin that is in me does it. This is a conundrum. Okay? It's a conundrum because Eve and Adam Pass that on to us with this action. You see that? This is the nature of Adam and Eve the moment they ate. Disobedience caused spiritual death. And at the very moment that they ate it, it doesn't say that they did. It doesn't say, hey, they realized their eyes was open right then. It just says, then they knew they were naked. And that matters because God says, what? Who told you you were naked? And then he says, hast thou ate of the tree that I told you not to eat of? Right? God didn't, first of all, if you think God was really searching for them because he couldn't find them in the garden, you got another thing coming, okay? It's like a kid playing hide and seek with a, with a two-year-old, okay? He knew exactly where they were. It was no secret. He was trying to elicit a response from the creature that he had made, knowing full well that they had sinned, knowing full well that they had ate of the tree. And then Adam blames Eve, and Eve blames the serpent. Right? Come on. They saw their condition immediately upon eating it, and this is what they saw. And I wrote this down. This is a quote from John Davis. He says, in other words, they knew good, but were unable to do it. And they also knew evil, 
but were unable to resist it. And that was what happened when they sinned. They got a different nature, a sin nature. We call that depravity. We say that's what all men walk in now, right? Now watch this. James chapter 1, verse 13. This is, a good, this is a good verse, and it's very applicable to the conversation that we're having right now. I always forget James is right after Hebrews. James chapter 1, starting at verse 13, he says, No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted of God, since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Every man has those desires. And when it says man right there, it's not man like men, it's human beings. Man as the race of man, right? Understanding that we are all fallen creatures. That's the human dilemma. We all now possess this thing inside of us. Paul said there's a warring in my members, right? This is before we got to verse 19, right? He said there's a warring in my members. The thing I want to do, I don't do that. The thing I don't want to do, I end up doing that. Amen? This is what we inherited from this fall. But Eve's actions also give us an understanding of how to maybe possibly try to avoid with the Spirit of God's help, with our own reading our Bibles and our own relationship with God, learning to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Remember that verse? That's in the New Testament, right? So it's applicable to me, right? That means, though in my own power I can't resist the devil, I certainly can with God's help. Amen? Why? Because he's not giving me a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and sound mind. Self-control. Number one thing the church needs, I keep saying, is what? Faithfulness. But there's another one that the church needs, another fruit of the spirit that they need. Self-control. Self-control. Temptation comes from evil desires already present in you. Finally, going back to Genesis. I'm going to go back to Genesis, and then we're going to go back to Romans 3. Genesis, we're going to go back and finish this. Verse 7, then, then the eyes of both of them were opened. Notice that in the storyline, Adam's until Adam eats, neither one of them's eyes is open. I just want to point that out there. That it doesn't say anything about their eyes being open until after Adam eats. Just food for thought. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew they were naked. Notice it didn't say, then they knew good and evil. Notice it did not say that. It didn't say they knew good and evil and they, they were like God. It didn't say any of that, did it? 
Why? Because the promise of the enemy was a lie. Because they were already like God. As like, they were as like God as they were ever going to be. Amen? Because they were made, formed in the image and the likeness of God. Amen? It was a lie. And it says, they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And isn't that what we do when we mess up? Try to cover it, try to justify it, try to hide it, try to conceal it. Right? Right? Now watch this. <laughs> the very next verse, and I know we didn't read it, but it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, I want to point something out you may never have thought of, but it's not the nature of fallen man to run after God. It's the nature of fallen man to hide, to run away from God, to try to escape why? Because they fear judgment. And they have every right to. And people go, oh, they're, they're just searching for God. No, they ain't. And when people tell you the people of the world, they're just out there searching for God. No, they're not. They're searching to fill their own desires. And if they have any desire for a God, it's a God of their own choosing that will do the things that they want God to do, and it's somebody that they don't want to be accountable to. Nobody is truly searching after the God of the universe on their own. It does not happen. Because they're in darkness, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Isn't that what John said? Finally, they ran and hid from God. The natural inclination of fallen man is not to seek God, but to run away from God. Romans chapter 3, and we're going to close right there. Romans chapter 3. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. Romans chapter 3. I told you I was going to tie it back into uh, our nature, sin nature, the gospel. Amen. Romans chapter 3, and we're going to start at verse 9. What then? Are we better off? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Gentiles are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned aside. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, no, not, one, not even one. Their throats are open graves. They deceive with their tongues. Vipers' venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, and their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wicked, uh, wretchedness excuse me, are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, this is God. This, this is human beings when they disobey God. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. That's why in Adam, all died. Why? Because that very moment before they ever had kids, 
Adam and Eve had fallen. And every single child that would ever be born at that point would be born with a sin nature. God still pursued them. I want you to notice that. This is a story in, you know, uh, this, this talk with Satan in the garden where he gets cursed and God said, her seed will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. They, they, they call that a, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, I know you know it. Yeah, the, the proto-evangelium. The proto-evangelium, that means the gospel before it was really preached. Because we see even here in Genesis that God, knowing that man had sinned, knowing that man had broken his command, still sought man out. Still sought man out, still made a sacrifice and covered man's shame come on this is the gospel before it was preached amen this is the proto-evangelism okay that's it this is the gospel before it was actually preached okay in the garden he shall bruise your head and you shall he shall crush your head and you'll bruise his heel right this is a testament of the Christ, the seed that would come. Uh, Spurgeon goes even farther and says, it's not just Christ, but it's the elect whom Christ will save who are going to crush the head of the serpent. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, which the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Right? Why? Because we are going to be there. He's going to save us. Amen? Can you see the greatest dilemma? And I know we got all kinds of things going on in America. We got politics. Me and Mike can sit and argue about politics all night long. Nobody wants that to happen. That's why, that's why Carmen got me and him off of it earlier so we can get church going. There's all kinds of stuff going wrong in America, but the reality is they need the gospel. Because every single person that doesn't know Christ right now is going to go to hell if they don't come to know Christ. That's reality. God knows who the elect are. Guess what? Me and you don't. So we have to preach the gospel to everybody. And people go, well, couldn't God, doesn't God save without the gospel? Not according to scripture. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How will they not believe if a preacher doesn't preach? How will they not, how will they hear if a preacher's not sent? Amen? We've got to preach the gospel. God could do it any way he wants to do it, but he's chosen to do it through the gospel. So why would we preach anything else? Why would we waste time with anything else? Amen? Preach the gospel. That's why Paul, when he wrote Timothy, he didn't say, hey, make sure you touch on this subject and that subject. And this. He said, preach the gospel. Preach the word. Be instant. In season, out of season, ready to what? Rebuke, correct, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Amen? Preach the word. That's what we got to do. Preach the word. Amen? Let's stand. 
I know, I preached a little too long for Wednesday night. I want to I wanna pray for the people who may watch this and don't know Christ and want to pray for those who might listen to it. But I also want to pray for you guys. Pray for me. Pray for us. That this church will, will preach the gospel. Amen. That what we preach is the unadulterated, unfiltered, unbridled gospel of Jesus Christ and nothing else. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your grace. Lord, for your mercy. Lord, we thank you that even in Genesis, God, knowing that uh, the steps that Eve took towards sin, God, how it can teach us how to avoid those things, Lord, and, and knowing that we're only going to be able to do it with your help. Lord, I first want to pray for those who are listening who are like, I don't even know what the gospel is. Lord, I want to pray that they would come to the saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, that he lived a sinless life to pay a price, pay the price for their sins, that he died and rose again to justify them before the Father, that whosoever would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ would be saved. It would not be dismissed, but they would be saved. God, I pray right now that you are calling, electing, and winning all those whom you have chosen, God, I pray that if there's anyone watching tonight and their heart has been stirred, their, 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 their spirit has been convicted, God, that you would save them right where they're at, God, that they would cry out to you, that they would believe in their heart, God, that Jesus Christ came and lived and died and rose again to save them from their sins, God, and that they believe that in their heart and confess it with their mouth, God, that they would be saved according to Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. Lord, I pray that anybody that's watching it or listening to this, God, I pray that they would hear the truth. Pray that they would believe the truth and that we would hear the testimony of them giving all of everything over to you, God. That they felt you call them. They felt you woo them. They felt you come into their heart and life, God, and save them and change them, God. I pray for those testimonies of when people were saved by your hand, God. Lord, I pray for those that are in this room tonight. Lord, that you would help us not to grow weary in well-doing. That you would help us not to look at the outward appearance of things as they are, God. But that we would be faithful. Lord, that we would be true. That we would be steadfast in our walk with you. And preach the gospel, live the gospel, speak the gospel, Lord, to show the love of God to everyone around us and preach the truth in love, God. Let us not, let us all of us seek to know nothing among people, Lord, but Jesus Christ and him crucified, that you would be glorified, that your son would be lifted up, and that you would draw all men unto yourself. Lord, we pray that we could be found faithful servants. Pray for your help, your empowering, and your witness to be at work in us, God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.